You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. All right. No, that's exciting stuff. Uh, my name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here. We use pastor and elder synonymously, and um, some of us are on staff, some aren't. Sammy is already going to be a really great addition to our team, and I'm really, really excited about what we've got with our elders, but also even our, our broader staff. It's just a great team, and I, I, love, I love to work alongside these people. Um, what we're going to do today is we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 4. So it's going to take me just a couple of minutes to get there, but Romans chapter 4 is where we're going to be. So if you've got a, a, a Bible and you want to turn there or in your device, you can. It'll be on the screen in a minute, but it'll take me just a, a second to get there. So um, here's going to be my presupposition today is that coming maybe from a variety of angles that I think that we tend to be pretty performance-driven, most of us here, or pretty much all of us. I just think it plays out in different ways. So I would say 75% of us that are going to tend to come about it uh, from a, hey, look, I I work hard and uh, I perform, and therefore, I think that that hard work will pay off someday. And, th- and it's almost like a, a uh, American truism right now that it's not necessarily in the Bible, but I think that people will point in, almost like it's like a biblical caliber truth of like, if you work hard, you know, good things come. And I would say in general, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, you invest in your career and your future, your brain, your skills, that, you know, working hard, that there are really good results from that, which is, which is a good thing. Now, there's going to be a dark side to it. We'll get to it in a minute. But I, I think a lot of us feel a lot more comfortable in the I'll work for it or I'll give to you category than we do receiving things. So like, for instance, it's interesting to watch someone get a compliment and watch how we'll deflect that, um, you know, where, like, for instance, one thing we do at Redeemer and our staff is once a year we have a retreat, and, um, you know, one of the things we do there is just affirm one another, you know, with words and say, this is where I've seen God at work in you, and it's just interesting to watch the uncomfortability in that, you know, of, oh, go on. No, no, we really go on, but no, go on, and uh, watch that, and even last year, they did that for me before my sabbatical, and, like, it's super uncomfortable to have people say, here's specifically what I appreciate about you. And, you know, it's like, man, it's getting hot in here and all that. And we have a really hard time receiving things. Like we feel much more comfortable telling someone else what they're good at than maybe receiving that, um, that praise or that, uh, that compliment. Or even imagine like you've got a, a tire that blew out and you're dead broke and someone's aware of your financial situation and, they're, and they know that you don't have the money for it. Instead of putting it on a credit card with crazy interest, they say to you, hey, look, I'll, I'll, let me give you, you know, three, four hundred bucks to pay for that and this other service that's going to be required. That a lot of us would have such a hard time receiving that and would say, all right. I'll take it under the following conditions. I'm going to do a repayment plan of $25 a month for the next, you know, year and all that. You know, I'll, I'll accept it, but this isn't a gift, man. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you back. And, and I, I like the work ethic and the sense of personal responsibility. And those are also biblical, beautiful things. But um, there, there's a little bit of a dark side to all of this, of the sense of like, I work hard, I perform. And therefore, like, I think that, that I should get some things in the future or that things will work out for me. And even if you don't necessarily identify with all of that. I think most of us here tend to say, okay, I'm an okay person because 
dot, dot, dot. And almost all of us have a because. And most of the reason we would say because it's like something that you bring to the table of look at my career and how successful I am or I have been, or look at my athletic ability of what it is or what it used to be, or look at my beauty of what it is or what it used to be, or look how much money I've got and look at my GPA. And, and there's something that you've, you've got of who it is that you, what it is that you've done on why it is that you're okay. Now I would, I would say a couple of the dark sides. One I'm not even going to be getting into today, but it's worth a mention is just the shame that comes with a performance, uh, a performance identity is that it's all great as long as you are the amazing athlete, but what happens when you're not? And it's all great as long as you're making a lot of money, but what happens when you're not? And what happens when you're this incredible mother and that's like your thing is like, I'm a, I'm a mom of the year and then it isn't working. And like, there's this, this shame component that comes in. That's a dark side. Not going to be the focus of today. The, the focus of today though, is on this particular dark side of a performance driven ethos. And it's that, um, that, that is not super fertile soil for a work of God's grace in your soul, you know, um, of, Hey, I've got this and I'll pay for it. I'll do it. I'll be the one delivering the compliments here and I'll work for it and I'll do all this that, um, we're, we're going to be contrasting in the scripture today, grace of something that is a gift versus um, performance and work, which is something that we earn. We're going to be contrasting those two things today. So that's where we're going. Um, I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 4. It'll be on the screen as I'll read, and we're just going to work through these things together slowly. We're really going to cover the first half of, of Romans 4 today, and we're not going to get to the second half, but it is in your reading plan, and I hope that you'll um, you'll just join along with us as we read the scripture. And But I think you're going to have the heart of what Romans 4 is about today in the first half of this chapter. So verse 1. Uh, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Are are we going to stop? We haven't even got through um, more than one verse, and I'm already stopping to explain some stuff. So I feel like I need to stop and explain who Abraham was. So um, let me give you a history of the Bible in about a minute and a half. Um, You're like, you can't do it. I am. Will you watch? So in Genesis 1 and 2, God created the world. It was awesome. When you think, man, this is... This isn't how things are supposed to be. You probably are thinking of what it was in Genesis 1 and 2. People got along. There's only two of them, but they got along. And, and, I, and you may be like, that's not that many. But honestly, those of you that are married know that there's, there's give and take to that, right? It's not always easy to get along. And, uh, and both of those individuals, Adam and Eve, also related um, in a really great and unified way where there's no barrier between them and their creator. Like they, they were all together and they were together with each other, together with God. And then Genesis 3, sin enters the world. And really this whole, this whole Bible right here is a story of what went wrong and then what God's going to do to fix it. And Genesis 12 was a major step forward in God's plan to redeem humanity where um, he has this guy, Abraham, nothing special, just a guy. And God says, I'm going to bless you. And then through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. And through Abraham, that um, God would bless Abraham. And, um, and then there would be even descendants like King David that you'll hear about in a little bit. And then this great descendant, Jesus Christ, um, that would come. And that would be the means by which that God would do a work of grace in, uh, in humanity and begin to reconcile what had been lost. And another thing that you'll see come up in just a moment in the scripture is that, um, that there would be this, uh, that Abraham uh, would, would took the sign of circumcision 
as a sign of his faith. And then that would be part of what all the males that would be raised in Judaism would circumcise their, their sons while they were pretty young. And even if you're an adult convert into Judaism, you, if you're a guy, you would need to be circumcised like as an entry into that covenant community. So that's going to be important in just a moment. All right, so he's pointing out Abraham, and he's going to use Abraham as an illustration for how this grace gift thing works versus our work and our performance. Verse 2, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. So verse 2, you're going to start to see where Paul's going with this argument today. Um, What he's probably somebody, what they would have been saying is, hey, look, I'm like Abraham. I'm righteous. I've done the stuff. I've been circumcised. And just like my father Abraham, I've done all the stuff. I've done the religious things. And he's saying, okay, if Abraham was justified by his works, by his performance, then he, uh, then he has something to brag about. Like that, that's what you brag about as well. I was, I was circumcised and went to church every week and plus I'm a good guy and look at my salary and look at the, all the stuff. Look at all the things I've done. And um, he says, he, he, you could brag about that, just not before God. Uh, because all of that bragging and boasting about what you've done falls uh, terribly short. Verse 3, for what does the scripture say? So here we're quoting from the Old Testament. Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness. This is interesting. It's saying, look, that's not what the Bible actually says. Even, Even in the Old Testament, it talks about what Abraham did. And it doesn't say he's righteous by his circumcision and righteous by, you know, moving to the town that God told him to move to. And he's not righteous by any of those things. He was righteous by faith. Um, he was he was uh, he believed God, and then God counted it accounted righteousness to him, not on the basis of his performance, but rather on the basis of faith. In verse four, it says, "Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due." All right, so here's what's happening here. You got two different programs for salvation and life: work and performance and grace and gift. Those are your two different ways you can go. Let's talk about each, and even on practical terms. So work, I think you're pretty familiar with how that works. Uh, I've, done, um, I've done a lot of different jobs over the years. I mean, I've worked as an assistant manager at Foot Action. I hate feet. It was good times. Um, I have worked at a lumber yard. That was my first job. Um, I also worked as a food server at Chili's, and I'm going to tell you how Chili's work. You, um, I think it's pretty straightforward. I would wait on tables. I would you know, make sure their drinks are topped off, make sure they've got all their salsa and chips, uh, I would get their order, try to get that in and out, get their check to them, and you know, pre-bust the table, and then re, you know, reset it, do that. And if you, if you did a good job, then what they would do is they would leave, uh, leave a tip on the table uh, or leave it on a credit card that would be given to me, and then it got some paltry check from Brinker Corp, who owns, I don't know if they still own um, Chili's, but they did back then, uh, $2 an hour or some nonsense, whatever it was, and uh, you get a check, and they take out your taxes from that, so it was almost nothing every time. But between those two things, you get tips and you'd get, uh, get a check. And like, that was, that was not a benevolence fund. Like when I would work at Chili's that people wouldn't go in and be like, man, I know they're pretty dead broke right now. I need to help the guy out. It was like, no, they, they paid me for coming in and providing service. And so that's how wages were. Any, any job you've got, that's any job, no matter what it is, you do a job. You, if you hit your marks, then you get paid and you could even be fired if you don't. That's how work works. Now, the other way is we could talk about grace and or gift. The way a gift works is um, that it's not, it's not performance and then you get paid. So if you want to use chilies, I've had this happen maybe like two or three times over my life that uh, I've been to a place and some, uh, it's time to pay out and I get my credit card and hand it to them. And they're like, uh, actually, um, somebody's already paid your bill. 
And I'm like, really? And immediately start like looking around, like, who was it? And sometimes you'll see and go, oh, okay, there they are. All right, come on, guys. And again, there's that, that how we tend to be of like, no, no, no I was going to pay for yours. And I, I'm not going to, I've got it. No, we're, we're doing okay and all that. But then somebody's like, no, man, I just wanted to bless you. Sometimes even, I don't even know who did it. One time um, I was going through um, Roswell, New Mexico, of all places, just kidding, Roswell people. And uh, there was, we were eating dinner, I think on the way to a tournament. And there was, uh, the, somebody said, hey, somebody paid for your meal and they just, um, that Jesus has been good to them and they wanted just to be good to somebody random. And so this is actually someone I didn't even know that said they just wanted to bless us with a gift. We didn't go wait tables for any of these people. You're like, man, who are you? How many? This has happened like two or three times in my whole life. So, uh, but, but, but it's really, again, really humbling. And you're like, no, we could have paid for that. But somebody's like, you, sure, you could have, but I paid for it. And I wanted to just to do it because I, I wanted to. And it was as simple as that. It was, it was a gift. And I'm not talking about one of those Starbucks vortexes where you get in the to-go line where people start paying it forward and you just were trying to get a black coffee on the run and like, hey, somebody paid for yours. And you're like, oh, nice. Then you realize, oh, no, that means I'm either going to be the guy that breaks it or I'm going to have to pay it forward. And then you hand them their card and they got like three venti latte with oat milk. And you're like, dude, mine was going be two dollars and now I'm paying like 20 something come on man and like that isn't that isn't like a grace gift right uh that's like you don't want to be the guy that stops this weird um ponzi scheme you know um that you 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 inadvertently drove into so so here's the thing though is that again for most of us pretty much all of us that tend to be pretty performance driven I'm okay because of what I've done that, um, that is, again, not very fertile soil for a work of grace. That if what you're going to say is good things should happen to me in the future and God should do good things for everything from eternal life, even to blessings on this earth because of all of the religious things I've done and all of the good things that I've done, um, that you know, pay me for what I've done works awesome if God agrees with your assessment of the work that you've provided. You know, uh, but here's the problem. If you want to talk wages, this is the same author, same book, just three, uh, two chapters later. Look at this in Romans chapter six. Um, this is Paul again with these the juxtaposition of wages and gift. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, uh, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Do you see how this works? If you want to get paid for what you've done because you've been so awesome in your own mind, um, the miscalculation is that you haven't been as awesome as you think that you've been, and the wages coming due you um, are actually going to be death, and that's a spiritual death, presumably hell, a judgment coming your way, and that's contrasted with, but there's a gift that isn't anything you perform, uh, but rather it's, it's eternal life, it's salvation, it's God's kindness in every way. So you can see why this is so confrontive to the performance person of, look, I'll pay my own way, I've got this. Uh, again, that sense of responsibility is beautiful, but um, we, we would totally miss God's grace through Jesus' death and resurrection. All right, let's pick up, we're going to go 5 through 11. And again, we're just going to kind of talk as we go here and continue this, this line of thought. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So what this is getting at is, look, if, you're, if you are, um, if by faith, 
Um, you, you believe in the one who justifies the ungodly. That language is carried forward from what we learned last week in Romans 3, where at the cross, God is both just and the justifier of all who believe. It's um, how God can forgive and still be just. That all happens through the cross. And so it's saying, look, if you believe in him, that he could justify, legally acquit you, where God's anger and wrath towards sin would be, would be poured out on Jesus, then your faith is counted as righteousness. Um, this is really, uh, really an incredible idea. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to it in just a moment. Just as David, that would be King David that came several hundred years after Abraham, also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So here, uh, the Apostle Paul is pulling to pulling from David as another Old Testament figure, saying, "Hey." He believed the same thing that I'm talking about. Abraham believed it. Um, Also, David did. Blessed is the man uh, against whom the Lord um, will not count his sin. That's what we just learned Um, there in verse 9. It says, is this blessing the only, uh, then only for the circumcised? Um, That would be like physical circumcision that I explained a moment ago. That would be what all, anyone in Judaism that um, culturally or religiously Jewish, the the, um, young boys would be circumcised. In other words, is this only for the Jews or also for the uncircumcised? In other words, for the people that aren't Jewish. And it says, we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? This is the key question. Was it before he was circumcised or after? Which one was it? And it was said it was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So here's the point that the Apostle Paul is trying to... I realize this can all be uh, circumcision and all this you know, faith and righteousness. It's a lot of... almost sounds like religious word um, soup. Just all kind of mixed up in here together and jumbled together. But let me explain it. Here's the argument he's saying is that... He said, okay, if you're trying to say, I'm fine because of my religious performance, just like my father Abraham, I'm circumcised, I go to church, and I do all the stuff, and I'm fine because of all that. He said, okay, then fine. Let's talk Abraham. Um, My question is, is was Abraham righteous before he was circumcised or after? That's the question. And the answer is, before he was counted righteous before he'd done any obedience. It actually happened before then. He was made righteous. And this is a really big idea uh, because you're not righteous by what you do, by your performance, but it's rather something God declares about you, he does to you. And this is a big idea. Here's what happens with the cross. And there's the first half of this, I think, probably will not be new to you, even if you've not been raised in church. And that's that through the cross, through the resurrection, God forgives you. He forgives sinners who put their trust in him. He takes away your guilt and he puts it on his son, Jesus. Um, and, and he took that. He was guiltless and he atoned, for, um, he atoned for that sin. He absorbed all of God's wrath. It was poured out on God's son, Jesus. We talked about that last week. Okay, that's correct but it's only half of it. And this is incredible news right here. In addition to Jesus taking all of your wrongdoing and it was poured out on him, even though he did not commit it. Here's what's crazy is all of Jesus's righteousness is now credited to you. Um, Even the term here, um, the theological term is imputed righteousness, sometimes called the passive righteousness. Even the verb here in Greek is passive, which means you did not perform it. It's external to you. It's imputed to you. If you're a banker, it's credited to 
you. Um, This is the idea that Jesus performed it. He obeyed the law. He did all of the stuff that you could not do. He performed well, and that he gave that, he gave that perfect record of performance and credited to you as if you performed it. So he gets all of your sin. He you get all of his righteousness, all of his right standing with God the Father. When God the Father looks at the Son, he's pleased with him, he loves him, he's clean, he's righteous. Here's what's bananas, truly, is that um, is that you now, when the Father looks at you for everyone who's believed in Jesus, who's put their trust in Jesus, that when he looks at you, um, he doesn't see uh, a mess up that just can't get their act together and uh, has made all these promises and vows but can't get it figured out. He, it's like he's looking at Jesus when he looks at you. Um, you carry the righteousness of Christ even though you perform none of it. It was passively given to you um, through what Christ had done. And it was before circumcision, before any act of obedience. It was given before. The obedience happened afterwards, um, even as a seal it talks about here, as a seal of that righteousness that was already given, not because of your performance. And this is so hard for people to get in their minds, especially in religious West Texas, um, where you know we have more churches and religious stuff happening per capita. You know, the stats would say it's one of the most religious counties in, um, in all of America. And so here's how a lot of us think of it is it's like, hey, I'm, I'm religious. And for Abraham, it was circumcision or, you know, the followers of Abraham. But for a lot of us, it's like some level of church, even if we've only barely messed around with it, of, you know, youth group and baptism and maybe a prayer that you prayed and, and you know, granddaddy that was a pastor. And you'll hear so many of our baptism stories that have that story. I was raised in church, but it didn't really click. It didn't really mean anything to me. And, and you'll have, I'd say a combination of this, a, some kind of religious performance. And I, plus I'm a good person, you know, look at my performance, look at what all I've done. And then I've avoided like the really big, bad things like murder and jumping off sides on fourth and four and stuff like that, you know, and like I've, I've avoided, like I've avoided really bad stuff and I've been a really good person. And, and plus I've, I've been to church some and I mean, come on, you know, you've got to, you've got to give it to me. Uh, but the reality is, is that we, we, we add on all of our perceived goodness and performance religiously and think that, that it's got to be fine. God, God must give me good things. He must save me and even give me good things in life because look at all I've done and look at all my performance, religious and otherwise. And look at all the, again, you can see why this is not fertile soil for a work of grace. It'll make you very employable, uh, but it, it may not make you that heart moldable that says, you're right, I, I got nothing. I got, I'm empty handed here. I've got nothing to bring here. I, I can only receive gift. I've got, no, I've got nothing to earn. I can't pay my own way. He has just to deliver it to me. He has to give it to me. That is so hard for um, good West Texas people and people that live here to, to be able to wrap our minds around. Let me, let me make this personal because I'm the dang preacher here and I, I believe everything I've just said, all right? Um, and like, I believe that. Like if it, I, I really do down to my core. All of what, everything I've said is true. It's from the Bible and it's how, uh, what the cross does. But you know what's interesting is that in my heart, these things, these truths sometimes don't take root. And so even what I'm going to talk about here is aspirational as much as anything is I'll give you two examples of it. One is the other day I was the first tech game this year. I was walking to it kind of came a different way than I normally do. And there's a street preacher. And I actually don't know if he was one of the kind of crazy angry ones or just somebody there uh, delivering the gospel message. 
But how my brain works, kind of stream of consciousness, it kind of reminded me of times I've been on the tech campus in the past, and they've had the angry street preachers. Do they still come, students? Are they still there? And, like, everybody's going to hell, like everybody, you know? There's, like, 11 saved people in the whole world, and there are, like, one or, one or two of them, you know? And it's like, you know, if you're in a sorority, you're going to hell. If you've cussed, you're going to hell. It's like all these things, and you're like, man, you know? And, but I had this, like, random thought. I rem- remembered the angry street preachers, and I thought... Like, what happens if those angry street preachers were right? And there's like only 11 people that are going to heaven, you know, and they'll be forgiven. Like, what if they're right? And here's what's interesting. This has all happened to me while I was walking that day, just in my own little headspace, uh, just kind of been thinking about things, is my first thought, is just super interesting, was, oh, huh. Um, I mean, I've given my whole life to this. Like, I've done, like, for a job, I've given money, um, I've shared my faith with people, even knowing that they may not like it. I've went on mission trips. Um, I have, um, I've tried to, I've tried to help people and I've taught the Bible and like, it was like me kind of running through my, my little resume here, you know, of like all these things and like, oh, huh, now you can't, it's just interesting, isn't it? That, um, that whenever my first thought about what would happen if those people were right was like, oh, no, that can't, like, I've got to be included in that because look of all, look at all my performance. Look at all that I've done. Like God's, he's got to count all that. That was my first inclination. Isn't that interesting? That was the first thought I had. Or I'll give you another example of it. I'm in the world of parenting. I'm like every other parent I know here and kind of eating up with our kids. And I, I have a, um, like I want good things for them, for their life to go well, for them to be happy, for them to love Jesus, even for things with career and things that are important to them, for those things to go well for them. And, um, you know, some moments like anxiety and fear can, like th- those are real experiences for most parents. And you think, gosh, what happens if it doesn't go well? What happens if their life you know, as an adult or other thing, what happens if they don't, uh, they don't make the team? What happens if they don't, whatever, right? And you start getting afraid of that. And it's just interesting how many times that like, I'll, I'll talk to God about that and be like, same, same exact tone of, oh, huh. And there are times where like, even in, in my prayers with God, where I'll say something like, God, don't even think about it. Like almost like commanding him. And you're like, dude, you're terrible. And I, I know that's, we learned that last week in Romans three though. So to be fair, um, that me and everybody else, we are kind of terrible. And I'll be like, God, don't even think about it. And what's in my mind is look at what I've done. I would start with all the same stuff. I've given my life to this. I've worked at the church. I've taught the Bible. And then I would even go beyond that. And then like, I've woke up almost every morning and I read the Bible. I've done Jesus storybook Bible with both kids. I have catechized them. They even know these old Westminster confession answers to things. Um, I have, we talk about our souls at the dinner table. We put them in the youth group. We've got them around quality mentors. They're in a grow group and like going through all the stuff. And just super interesting that again, you know, let me just, God, kind of run through what it is that we've done and why you better make my kids okay and let all their dreams come true because of all the things that I've done. Interesting. It's just the first inclination. And wouldn't it be interesting? Well, I'll tell you what I hope. My aspiration would be is that the truth of Romans 4 would become more true in my soul, in me, that I would understand that um, this is a gift that isn't because of my performance, that my performance is not what makes me acceptable to God. And instead of saying, I did, and I said, that my first inclination would be to say, God, you did, and you said. Jesus Christ, um, you, you came and died, and you did. You died, you, you obeyed all of the law, you performed. You're actually the one that performed. You said that you would forgive my sin, and you said you would make me righteous, not because I am. You said, you did. I wish that 
that that's the first thing that my heart would go to about not that I've got anything coming to me with my children, with my career, this church, my family, eternal life, growth in Christ, you name it, um, that I would realize that I've got none of those things coming to me. In fact, if it's what's coming to me, it's uh, death, it's hell. Uh, if, I, if that's what we got coming, if it's talking wages, um, then that's what I've got coming. But rather um, that, that my heart would be is that the only righteousness I've got is one that's external to me. It was performed by Jesus and that my hope would not be in my own performance and what I've done, but in the performance of Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected, obeying all of the law, and then giving me all of that so that I would have right standing with God and even, even ground to stand on when the future is uncertain and you don't know how things are going to play out in any area of your life. You can say, well, but I can trust you. And I don't have any of that coming to me, but I can ask, not on the basis of my own righteousness, but I can ask on the basis of the righteousness of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Lord, would you let that be our heart? Um, Not our work, not our performance, not our accomplishments, but only the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. That's our hope and heart. Uh, Lord, let that be true. Let that resonate deeply in our soul. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.